0: Digital manufacturing actually requires more rigor. Uh, It is less about gut feel and more and more about basing decisions on data
1: and hard facts. So welcome everyone um, to our podcast here today on digital manufacturing from Capgemini. Um, my name is Marcus Rossmann. I'm working for CAP for 10 years now, and now for, as a Program Manager for Digital Manufacturing Services. And I'm more than happy to have Pascal today here with me. Um, Pascal?
0: Hi, good morning, Marcus. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. Um, my name is Pascal Brosset, and I am the CTO for the Digital Manufacturing Domain at the group level in CAP Gemini.
1: Perfect. Yeah, let's start and see what um, digital manufacturing is about. Let's describe it first in a nutshell, Pascal. Huh? So, as you know,
0: manufacturing companies have been forever trying to improve the performance of their operations. And there's been a different wave. There's been the quality wave. There's been the just-in-time wave. And then all those have converged into what we call lean manufacturing. And across most companies have today lean manufacturing programs that along with automating their operations and putting robots and more automated machines in place have allowed them to make significant efficiency gains. Now, this being said, uh, when you go into those automated factories, you still find, surprisingly, that as far as managing the entire factory, Excel is still the most widely used tool, uh, which is surprising and is actually reaching... Companies are reaching a limit in terms of what they can do based on using back of the envelopes method with outdated data so they' they they're hitting uh, the end of what they can do with traditional manufacturing
1: ha, to- totally agree with us yes what is new is really on the IOT technologies right so really connect store analyze um, really the vast amount of data that is becoming available much better granular understanding really of operations isn't it
0: Absolutely, and you can easily imagine that if you go from a world where you have, you know, data that flows into your Excel spreadsheet every evening, and you can optimize on that basis, but it's very partial data. If you go into a world where you can get almost real-time data from all your machines, all your equipment, and optimize your operations on that, then you have a much higher potential. With better information, you can, there's usually three levels of improvement. First, just having more timely operations, operators and line managers can react faster to issues. So already a big benefit uh, and a first level of efficiency gains. Then as they progressively learn how to use that data, they can anticipate issues. So you don't react faster when the line starts, but you actually understand when it's gonna stop and you fix it before. And this is the first where you have a real benefit and we can see five and 10% of efficiency coming from this anticipating issues. At the last stage, and this is only a few leaders are doing it, actually you can potentially take people out of the equation, not totally, just to, for the running of the, uh, the operations and then you can have operation that says uh, optimize. And we're gonna talk about some industries where this is already the case. So. Hmm. This is the kind of roadmap companies are looking at uh, when they go towards uh, digital manufacturing.
1: Yeah, that's sort of the holy grail, right? The um, self-optimization of, of the factory at the end. Let's take a look at where we stand as far as our adoption goes across industries. Uh, when we are looking at that, most clients are really in the proof-of-concept phase, so really early on, isn't it? So with a few leaders already in the deployment, yeah,
0: it's true that m- most companies, but a few, are already uh, are still, sorry, in the proof of concept, proof of value. The most obvious place to start for most of them is with critical assets, and in particular, predictive maintenance of critical assets. This is a well-understood domain where the analytics are, again, well-defined, and we're actually with a l- controlling a limited number of variables. You can have spectacular results in terms of improving the reliability of your key assets. Once they've done that, which many of them have, it doesn't mean it's deployed, but they know how to do it. Then they they move to the next uh, phase, which is trying to optimize not just the asset, but a set of assets together in a process. Here, obviously, it is more complicated because processes are influenced by lots of factors, most of them external. So those projects are usually more complex and involve a fair amount of organizational learning.
1: yeah, so that that is looking at it at the complexity um, of the benefit on the one hand side, but also it needs to be done, right? So from a systems perspective, yeah, so understanding and supporting this process, um this involves really dealing with the integration of a lot of things like automation, yeah you know, on the other side, operations, you have um the systems behind and the enterprise systems in the back end. Which is really never simple.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's why designing a di- di- um, digital manufacturing roadmap is always a delicate exercise because it's operations, and you can take no risk. You need to be have a very progressive upgrade of your systems. So, and you're t- really talking about potentially rebuilding the complete stack from shop floor to top floor. So those are very interesting long-term roadmaps which we get better and better at designing with our customers
1: yeah and and especially concerning it costs a lot of money on the one hand side and a lot of investments yeah so a lot of companies are really have um significantly investing into this like um mes systems also from the past and also currently Do, uh, do they need to think about replacing those Certainly not
0: in the short term. This is way too complicated. So what we see is uh, companies actually are looking at what we call parallel architectures. So they have the existing automation, the existing MES, that do a good enough job in terms of the basics of scheduling. And what they do is in parallel, they deploy an IoT platform, what is called an IoT platform, that allows them to do all the data part get some benefits in terms of understanding the operations. And then afterwards, progressively, they better integrate between those two stacks. And then they will gradually transfer some functionality from the old stack to the new stack. Again, very interesting uh, exercises, which we get better and better at designing with our customers, which is again, a progressive what we call encapsulation of the old architecture with the new IoT architecture
1: architecture is is, is a very, very good point, um, Pascal, because architecture is here when we speak about that a lot, about IT and systems, but on the other side, um, if I'm thinking in terms of enterprise architecture, it is also for sure about the business side of the game. Um, What is it what we are focusing on there is uh, really the value that is provided on the business side, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That goes without saying. And and to get that value, you need to master not only the technology, but there, there is a very important change management, evolution of culture. The best technology is not really useful if it doesn't permeate into day-to-day work practices. And not unlike lean manufacturing, very much like lean manufacturing, digital manufacturing actually requires more rigor. Uh, it is less about gut feel and more and more about basing decisions on data and hard facts. And this is not easy for people. Uh, to some extent, they feel threatened into their expertise. They might feel threatened into the initiative they can take, which is needs to be managed. So there is a very important uh, part of this digital manufacturing programs, which is about working on the change management, establishing a culture away from I'm the hero who fixes the issues to a culture of, I'm the guy who uses the data to avoid uh, those issues.
1: Data is is really the the oil and um, the ingredient of how that works. And also it includes new roles um, like like data offices, which are not located at a headquarter in the IT department somewhere, but really on the shop floor, in the factory, working day to day with the people on the floor, right? So what reminds me actually is that we don't just focus on the manufacturing of discrete products yeah, that we have in mind when we speak about shop floor, but also on continuous processes like in the oil industry, for example. Um, but there are differences in adoption across the industries.
0: Yeah, as, as we said earlier, process industries are usually ahead for a very simple reason. They, they operate very complex integrated assets like refineries, and by definition, they have to integrate the entire uh, value chain. Uh, their efficiency depends on all, you know, from from the oil well to the uh, gas pump, which means they, they simply could not run their uh, operations without high level of, autom- of automation. And you can say that they're already, uh, you know, digital in their core operations. And now they're more investing around the core So lots of work in uh, maintenance and uh, field workers and things like that. Then you have the discrete industries with high volume, like automotive, who, again, uh, now are pretty advanced because they have to. Those are very complex plans to run with lots of complexity, both in the operations and the products. So they usually tend to be at the forefront of adoption, mostly uh, in using data with pretty sophisticated architectures. Then you have the industries who, until do until today, could do without it. Uh, to some extent, you can run a consumer good or a, or a food and bear factory with limited level of automation in terms of optimization. So they are late, but they have an advantage, which is their operations are relatively more simple, so they can do faster progress than the other guys, and they have less install base. You know, traditionally, they don't have a big MES system. So for them, moving forward, establishing a new architecture is easier. So we might actually see some of them on the forefront of innovation, because again, it is simpler for them.
1: Pascal, I see there is a lot to cover over here, and I'm pretty sure that we haven't covered everything and also scratched some of the surfaces only. Hey, it's a, really a pleasure chatting with you about digital manufacturing.
0: Same for me. Uh, and yes, we probably need to uh, continue that conversation. There's, there's more topics to be discussed. We should go into in detail how different companies go about ad- adopting digital manufacturing. So um, I'm looking to further interaction either in the next podcast or through social media.
1: All right. Re- which reminds me to, to note yeah, we are on Twitter and LinkedIn um, to all the, our listeners. Great to have you there. Um, you can find me actually as Markus Rossmann there. Pascal, your login. My login is very simply Pascal Brossier on both uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Ah, perfect. So stay in touch with us, um, uh, listeners. We both hope um, you enjoyed our podcast. Thank you for listening. Tune in for our next session and looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you for that. People matter. Results count.